0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.
1: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio.
2: It actually starts off okay. Over time, you know, it's like boiling a frog. You know what I mean? You just don't realize. You don't realize it until it's too hot. <laughs> yeah.
0: The magic. You're trying to create the yeah. magic, and then you realize there's no way any magic's coming from us right
2: now. Oh no, I'm just mm-hmm. a, I'm just a drug addict. Oh dang.
1: <laughs> was it for the art? Is that what you're thinking was? That was
2: the lie. And
3: you can begin to believe that. You have to have the alcohol to be, to be creative. <laughs> Ken, what get into you? And I said, what do you mean? I said, you've never played this well before.
0: Honestly, I feel like I have written some of the most deep, emotive stuff since then.
1: I'm Elaine Cha. A rapper writer and a jazz trombonist walk into a bar and order seltzers. Not the hard kind, but the old-fashioned sort with zero booze. That's because these two artists, who make music of very different genres and come from different generations, share an experience that's common among musicians, misusing alcohol or other substances, yet distinct, deciding to stop for the sake of their careers and their personal lives. There's no way or no one way sobriety sounds for musicians who quit substance use, but here's a sample of how it hit for St. Louis rapper and writer Damon in his 2020 song, Turn the World Around.
2: movies where the villain's a cop and the superhero dealing with hard knocks but so what like everything that you think of you not you might be what a singular plot twist but so what don't believe that you lost shit, you know what you go from heathen to boss quick but slow up to forever last like a heavy bag i'll be chilling while you killing for the feeling like i already have you've been a pretender, your image is dimming so listen your glow up is the best weapon to blow up and my everything better than yours like a petty king ready for war path, but so what i got what you want, I promise i'm not gonna run i promise though let's go I They can't unlock and I rock with you when I drop it though, let's go I got something they can't knock it, I got something they can't top it though, let's go We love it but that's the folks, I'ma keep it 300, we extra though, let's go Can't be stopped, gotta get out the box, can't be stopped, better get out the way Can't be stopped, gotta get out the box, can't be stopped, better get out the way
1: That's the first song writer and rapper, Damon Murray, who goes by Damon, wrote as a sober artist. And he joins us today to talk about that ongoing journey. Damon, welcome, and thank you for being here.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: Now, you told us you didn't just hit rock bottom, that you were living rock bottom. Tell us where you were and what you were doing when you realized that that was happening.
2: Hmm. Um... I wish it was like a movie moment, but it was more of like a succession of moments. I guess the closest thing was I was in LA and uh, I had just uh, finished doing some work and I was just in LA, like I was just in this cheap motel, getting high, like doing nothing, you know? And my publishing company hit me up about some job. I can't even remember what it was, I was so high. And so I had to go back to St. Louis and I went back and met with my producer. We worked on a song, and I was in the process of doing that. And I just went home, and I had all these bottles that I had brought back with me from Los Angeles that I assumed I was going to drink at some point, mm-hmm. and I still haven't. And I just remember sitting in my room, and there's this come down after two or three days of... I don't know if I should say what I was using on there, but mm-hmm. uh it's a come down moment. My <laughs> friend knows what I'm talking about. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm going to kill myself if, if this continues. Yeah. And so just... I didn't want to die, like it wasn't, I wasn't suicidal,
1: Right, right. you know,
2: it just, it's so, it just takes over, it creeps in over time, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Well, when we think of living and dying as being like singular moments, but it's stretched over time, as a working musician, Damon, how did you function at that, at that level?
2: Um, I mean, artistically I functioned fine, but I think you make the sacrifice of not being a functioning human being, Mm -hmm. you know. It's really a lot like the movies. The one thing the movies get right, right, is the way addicts behave. I mean, movies get a lot of stuff wrong, but even even down to the script of like, I don't have a problem. Everything's cool. Right. But just the isolation, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dishonesty, like no relationships with your family and friends. Really. It was just like, you know, you get a job or you get an idea and that would become an excuse to go by whatever you needed, and right. you just spend time in the studio working. So as an artist, I mean, I was doing great. And, you know, people are like, Manny, where do you come up with this stuff? And yeah. then that feeds the dragon too, so it becomes secular. So you're like, you're cutting off the people who might give you advice to do something better, you know, to maintain this flow. And then other people that are in your life as a creative, they don't do it on purpose, but they f- they're they feeding your ego. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're thinking, you, you think you're functioning at just the right. highest level. Right. You know, you really are, but you, you know, over time you... It erodes, I guess.
1: And why did you stay there as long as you did? Was it for the art? Is that what you're thinking? Was that was
2: the lie? That was this. That was what was so fun about it, or so you know, such so BS was that the lie is that it is about the art. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not an addict. I'm a I'm a tortured creative. You know, I'm I'm a genius that the world just hasn't heard yet. And you know, and, it's, and you're like, no, man, you're just a blankhead. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're just you're just a drug addict, and it. It digs itself
1: after a while. Now, before we move further, we have another guest here yeah. on his own journey of making music as a sober artist, and that's John Cavelli, a St. Louis trombonist and band leader of the Hard Bop Messengers. John, we're so glad you're here with us today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Now, hearing Damon describe his experience of not just hitting, but being rock bottom, did that uh, in any way remind you of what you went through, especially this, uh, blackout story from 2013?
0: Yes, absolutely. So tell
1: me about
0: that. Yeah, that, well, that last year of my drinking career was, um, I was starting to get signals, um, that, that, uh, I couldn't drink like other people, but I did not really understand the words around that until I did come into the program. But, Mm um, I had been um, <clears throat> thinking about uh, trying to play music without um, drinking and then going home from a gig wondering uh, how did I get so drunk <laughs> and what am I going to tell my wife because mm-hmm. I had said I wasn't going to drink tonight. And so um, the the last few months were just met with lots of lying about it and Not performing well, but I really didn't understand uh, what uh, the impact was until that blackout.
1: Mm -hmm. And what happened with that blackout? What what is the story there?
0: Well, the Cardinals were in the World Series, which means the band can't play until the game is over. Uh, But you get to drink for free. Oh, so they had my favorite um, beer on tap, and so of course I started with Scotch. and um, I was uh, drinking too much and the band we started to play and somewhere in that first set I I eased out um, didn't really remember th- anything after that um, until I woke up or came to the next morning mm-hmm. and realized that um, I didn't remember anything yeah I wasn't that it was foggy I lost that time uh, I had to ask people I had to I had lost my trombone, lost my wallet. But my wife, uh, who greeted me when I somehow made it home, uh, she was very angry. Mm -hmm. And um, I did not know why. Yeah. And that was that.
1: Did that incident reveal something to you, John, about why you started drinking the way that you did in the first place?
0: Well, I thought that I had to uh, drink and use drugs to feel comfortable uh, to um, you know, release me from the stage anxiety that I thought I had, uh, which I do have. But uh, I, I thought that drinking and, and drugging, you know, before I go to rehearsal or before I uh, play with the band was going to make me better and more at ease, uh, to to be a better version of who I was, mm-hmm. and it never really did help. Uh, it only made things worse. And so coming away from that, I would think, why um, Why did I uh, do that? I didn't intend to do that, mm-hmm. but there I was again, and I don't know how I got there.
1: Right. So, Damon, you were nodding as uh, no, as no. John was talking. I mean, what place or role did alcohol or drugs have in the music scenes that you've been part of over the years?
2: Oh, wow. I mean, it's front and center, it's part of it, you know? I think it's gotten better in recent years, the younger generation, the kids younger than me, they seem to have a b- bit of a better grasp on it, which is so ironic because the music seems to be so much more obsessed with it, especially in hip hop. Mm. But I mean, yeah, it's just like, you know, you smoke a little something before. You, it's, it's the same thing John says, smoke a little bit before you write, before you record. It's, it's supposed to relax you. It's supposed to, you know, let you get loose. And, and so much about recording, especially and live performance, is about the vibe and the energy. It's the intangible. So you're always searching for that that place, you know, balance, and it's just—it's sneaky. It starts off, it actually starts off okay, and mm. it's just—it over time, you know, it's like boiling a frog. You know what I mean? You just don't realize—you <laughs> don't realize it <laughs> until it's too hot. <laughs> yeah.
0: The magic. You're trying to create the yeah. magic, and then you realize there's no way any magic's coming from us right like, now. Oh no, I'm
2: mm-hmm.
1: just—I'm just a drug addict. Oh dang! <laughs> it's a very different place to be. Yeah. Now, each of you did see success as you know, non-sober artists, so I mean, people could assume that that use that it worked for you somehow, mm. right? Especially as each of you were continuing to build your careers. As you look back on the the before period, John, is there something that um, alcohol or other substances helped you to manage, not? Not just the the anxiety about being on stage. Did it help you to manage or deal with anything that had to do with sort of the social culture around you?
0: Well, it helped me manage um, uh, my feelings of myself. Uh, my feelings of failure uh, were real, and um, but it was it was distorting um, the way I saw myself and. Um, It was actually uh, keeping me from enjoying what was going on in the moment. Um, You know, I've heard this phrase, and it's so true. I had one foot in the past, and I had the other foot in the future, and I was uh, ruining the present.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And um, that's exactly what I'd been doing.
1: Mm -hmm. And, Damon, how about you?
0: Um, I hate to
2: say I might be a little bit of the opposite. I think... um I won't, I'm not trying to tell kids, hey, kids, go out there and get you some drugs. But I mean, I think I was better at being present, at, you know, when I use. Like now I'm just, it's just like they say raw dog in reality. Like that's mm-hmm. just where I'm at now. But I prefer this because I have a relationship with my family and mm-hmm. I can, you know what I'm saying, enjoy things again. So, I mean, there there are moments where you kind of miss the euphoria of like being really high, or really drunk and hearing a song of yours and you can just hear the, like you said, John said, the magic of it. Whereas now all I hear is the nuts and bolts. Like I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I said that phrase quite right. Right, Oh, I missed this part. Oh, the rhythm isn't, but it's made me a better artist now because now I'm much more aware of it. You know, you're building watches. And so some people can see like a beautiful Rolex, but me all I see are like the little gears behind the Mm -hmm. face that Mm. makes it function, so.
0: It is complicated. Yeah.
1: So we're going to take a very quick break. But before that, I'd like to play a voicemail we got from John Sauer. Um, and I'd like to give our guests, Damon uh, Murray and John Cavelli, a chance to respond when we return.
3: I uh, love music and have always loved music my whole life and spent many years of my life following the Grateful Dead from town to town. Um, also, I went to drama school and got a master's of fine arts in acting. And I spent 10 years in the professional theater and seven years in the professional theater in New York city. So I was around a lot of creative people, uh, actors, writers, playwrights, etc., and a lot of alcohol. I would find myself, you know, before a nine o'clock in the morning audition, I would find myself at six o'clock in the morning drinking in a bar in Manhattan, self-destructing. I uh, drank and drugged for 35 years and my sobriety date is January 21st, 2005. I believe that when we look around and we look at so many creative people in history, that creative impulse legitimately and authentically comes from a place of suffering. And you can begin to believe that you have to have the alcohol to be, to be creative, to, 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 to express yourself and your emotions. But in reality, in the long run, what it does is it begins to chip away at that creativity and eventually it destroys it.
1: That was St. Louis County resident, John Sowers, speaking about his experiences with creative sobriety. We need to take a quick break um, and I'd like to give our guest a chance to respond when we return. And here's a bit of John Cavelli's trombone solo in Traffic Both Ways. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back, I'm Eileen Cha. We're picking up our conversation about sobriety in music making with trombonist and band leader, John Cavelli, the hard messengers and rapper and writer, Damon Murray, who goes by Damon. Before the break, we heard voicemail from a St. Louis County resident who talked about following the Grateful Dead on tours as well as his professional experience in New York as an actor. He spoke about the artistic experience as one that originates in a place of suffering. Now coming in from the break, we played uh, your trombone solo from HeartBot Messenger's song, Traffic Both Ways. That is a song made and played sober. It's from last summer's album, Live at the Last Hotel. And it definitely did not suggest pain or suffering. So do you think that The Caller, though, has a point about artistic expression and hardship?
0: Well, yeah, uh, uh, the lyrics for that song I wrote um, about myself trying to walk to the gig and cross the street without killing myself, thinking I could make it in between cars uh, because I'm late for the gig and I'm thinking about lots of other things. And that's what the lyrics in that song are about. Um, it's really the only song in the album that I, I – Think I drew from from myself and my obsessive compulsive disorder, and how it has me thinking about just about everything else, but what's happening right here and now, like crossing the street. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll kill myself if I walk in front of the bus. Right, right. Um, the the pain and suffering. Um, I totally agree with with uh, Mr. Sauer who called in um, in that you think that you need to suffer and pull from that suffering, like a, um, you know, the tortured artist archetype. Um, because from an early age, you know, that's, that's who, um, you know, John Lennon, um, uh, tortured artists, uh, that's who I admired and who I thought I had to be like to be worthy. Um, but, uh, making that album uh, in sobriety, you know, eight years into sobriety, I think I was at the time. Um, there I was having to listen to myself and and be okay with this, this music I had just made because I didn't really, couldn't redo any of it. And I couldn't take a drink or do drugs to help me deal with the sound I was hearing. I It was what it was and I had to accept it.
1: We've got Ken from Benton Park, who's got something to add to our conversation. Ken, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was a studio musician in Boston for a record company back in the early 80s, and um, I would always get high before I went into play. When we had a really early, early session, it was the only time we could get in there, it was like 6.30 in the morning. And so I didn't get high first. Played what I was supposed to play, and both the producer and the engineer were staring at me through the window. And I said, what's wrong? And I said, what do you mean? They said, you've never played this well before. And so I uh, I never did it again. Well,
1: it's beautiful. Well, and gotcha. there, thank you for, for sharing that. There is uh, some maybe a sheepish laughter of recognition coming from each of you. Mm. Damon, what elicited that response for you?
2: I mean, just the song we played earlier, Turn the World Around. I remember um, I was in recovery. I was just at home with my family and I couldn't walk. Like I couldn't get out of bed. And I, my producer, uh, Steve Spiffler sent me the track. He lives in uh, Stockton, California. Big shout out to Steve, and uh, he sent me the song, and I, I started writing it. And I was just—it was just a note to myself, like I'm going to get through this, I'm going to be okay. And I called an Uber to take me to Shock City. I had my friends help me in the car. I had the engineer help me into the studio booth. I had to have to, to sit and record it. And when I sent it over to the my A and R to listen to, I'm thinking they're going to hate it. It's the first thing I've written sober. I can barely walk, like. And the offices went crazy. They were like, "What is this? Like you." they just went nuts and it it was the quickest placement i ever gotten. It got on Xbox Forza Horizon 5. I think ESPN just used it for SportsCenter this morning. I mean, like it, and it was the first thing i written sober in years. So it just, yeah, big shout out to Ken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And John, this is, this is bringing some things up for you, right? Um, It's okay, man. Yeah. And this is all part of, of journeys that you continue to be on. Mm -hmm. John, you've said it's been eight years, but each day, it must be. Uh, it's a new, a new day to to win.
0: For but sure, there are
1: perils as well, right? For sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, when it comes to what you have just shared, Damon mm. about turn the world around, that that song is dope. Thank you. <laughs> I lived in LA before I moved here. Used to go to like a funky soul, and it just it reminded me so much of. Um, a kind of exuberance that I always appreciated. Um, you know, and that song does not have any outstanding notes of darkness at right. all. so do you do you really think that it was sobriety that did that for your work?
2: Um, I think technically, yes, because just getting in the headspace of just like, I don't think that the idea is about suffering i think it's about overcoming the suffering i think it's still all about joy at the end of it but it's how do we derive the joy where, where does the joy come from like if you watch a movie you don't want to just see the hero he just wins at the beginning and then you're just like all right so what's the rest of the two <laughs> there's hours there's nothing interesting <laughs> there's about nothing it then. going on right. so i think what we're looking for is that that joy of like overcoming and sometimes you just get trapped in the suffering, and yeah. then it becomes about suffering. But it's like John, your love for John Lennon was his his art in spite of his suffering. It wasn't like, oh, he he dresses like a bum and he's just he's just awful. <laughs> that's, that's the end of it. It's like, but he makes this beautiful music in spite of the pain. Kirk Cobain's the same way. Tupac, you know, all of our favorites. Are, mm-hmm. the, but that's the joy of like the the beauty in it. So turn the world around is fun against the backdrop of like. I can't walk. I don't know if I'm going to be any good without the drugs and alcohol. I'm scared, crapless. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's yeah. that's where I think the where it comes from or the mm-hmm. fun of it comes from.
1: John, when you were talking earlier about your wife greeting you at the door, which you had to be told about after that blackout incident in 2013, um, she was there for you. She had your back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine <clears throat> that deciding to give up alcohol um that that might have done things to some of the relationships that you had with peers with producers you know, bandmates um was there a a disconnect and maybe a reconnect process with people in certain circles uh, that had to do with with the music making that you were doing
0: for sure um <clears throat> i you know i had to come to terms with who i was as a as a person and a musician um, but it's taken me this many years to really get past a lot of, uh, of of me being in my own way. Like the gentleman on the phone said, you know, um, I, I have been uh, beating myself up for for many many years. And um, uh, there's a book I'm working through now by Dan Rubright called the "Musicians' Dilemma," which has really taught me that, um, you know, I'm I, I have a big stick that I'm beating myself up with and. Uh, I really need to step back and see what I have uh, that I could enjoy about my my musicianship and about music itself. Um, that I've been blessed, you know, with skills that that other people aspire to or idolize. Uh, and for me to not have been enjoying that this whole time is mm-hmm. is you know, really, really sad, but I can change that now by enjoying every moment that I can pick up my instrument and play uh, just one note that might sound wonderful and, and feel the joy that, that that's bringing yeah. out.
1: You know? So sobriety has not only changed the music, it's also changed time what's happening. Time and it? my
0: perception of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Damon, now lots of shows nowadays, including the one you're playing this weekend, are sponsored by the cannabis industry <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: right now you even joke about it on instagram what's it been like to navigate that as a musician who's been sober you know for a, a shorter period of time but that you know that's the the decision that you've made for yourself
2: i think for me it's been fine because i was i had such a reputation beforehand but i can imagine someone who's just straight edge the entire time is probably more difficult like people don't question me as much i get some jokes about being a cop every <laughs> once in a while but i mean but but because <laughs> i've been so out out i mean i've been so like outgoing about it like i was almost proud of my drug use so it was just so in everyone's face And i think people are just happy that i've turned the corner yeah, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's been cool for me and it makes like you said it makes for great social media content because it's like I like to make it un- understated because I think so much of the sober movement or so much of the push is like professionals and, and, and therapists, which is great. But a lot of people don't have access to that or there's a stigma against it, especially in my neighborhood or in like my kind of my part of the world. So I just want to make it seem OK. And then also give people like, I don't know, someone to just I get a lot of DMs from people who want to get sober or want to turn that corner, but don't quite know how. And mm-hmm. they just want to have someone to talk to who's really just listening more than Saying anything, it's like, oh yeah, I totally get you, bro. Yeah, you know. So for me, it's I don't know. It's been kind of freeing, but I can imagine it would be that experience is going to be different for Mm -hmm. every person,
1: right? I mean, we're looking at a very different uh, environment now Mm. because marijuana is legal in many more places, and yeah, it's not treated. The stigma
2: isn't quite the same. It's not
1: quite Mm -hmm. the same, John. Over the years, how have you managed performing at clubs or events that prominently feature? alcohol, like sponsored by Bacardi and, and that sort of thing.
0: You know, I'm just thinking about it less and less uh, every year. Um, you know, at first I had just started playing with a band, and um, and I really wanted to be out playing, and yet I was getting sober. And I just had to face it quick that what was more important, playing the music or being around a bar? Um, and, um, you know, I just kind of got used to it. and. Um, had people that had my back in that very first band that I was playing with, they would go to the bar for me mm-hmm. and get my club soda for me. And I thought that was pretty special. And I thought, well, I can't let them down. I can do this. If they can do that for me, I can do it for myself. Yeah. Mm.
1: So those kinds of supports, have you also experienced that, Damon?
0: Uh, I,
2: I, I would say like, for me, alcohol was uh the sister to my problem. So it's never, it's never really been it wasn't the, the spark for me, so okay. it's other things. So they don't they don't have a bar for what it is I was using. So okay. th- thank God. So <laughs> the, the
0: not yet
2: <laughs> the problem not yet, oh Lord. So the problem is different. So I can imagine, it's like people trying to quit smoking. And I, I smoked at the time, too. But quitting smoking was like, oh, yeah, I also quit smoking. And my friends who smoke are like, what? <laughs> uh, to them, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, nah, bro, that was just like, that was there. That was an aperitif. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, that wasn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, it's been, like, the experience has been vastly different. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. But, I mean, no, people have been really supportive. Because once you you kind of, especially because rap is so competitive, that the people who want to see you do bad, you're not friends with them anyway because yeah. they, they make it known, they hate your guts, and they talk bad about you. So you're not really around them. So, okay. so the rest of the crew, yeah, they're just as long as you're, you know what I'm saying, doing right by yourself. I have also noticed that my lack of use has softened other people around me. Like, they, it's it's kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats but in the opposite direction. So the less booze I'm drinking, then these people are like, all right, well, I'm not going to drink today either then. And then the next thing you know, you know, we're all not drinking. Yeah, day, yeah. So
0: draining your own swamp. Yeah, there, we go. there <laughs> you go. There you go.
1: So uh, when it comes to the music itself, is the music that you both made, you know, respectively, from those, you know, darker times, do you do you still do you still find that relatable today? Do you hear it differently now?
0: The music that I played once, uh it sounds just as bad as uh, as, as it ever has, and um, but I knew it was bad then too um, yeah. because I was super critical of my own self. Um, and uh, there's, there's a book that I have, uh, the book that a substitute would read um, in one of the bands that I played with, uh, and there was a note on one page of a song that said, if you're subbing for John, then you know that Um, you know, by this time, uh, he'd be really drunk, and hopefully you aren't. It was really written in the book. So, like, people around me knew that there was a better version of me out there somewhere. Mm.
1: Well, I hope that we get a chance to hear even more of this music as your journeys continue. Um, And we're really glad that you came in today. Damon's new single, Make It Make Sense, is streaming on all platforms. You can see him this weekend on the lineup with Styles P. at Red Flag this Saturday, March 11th. Damon, thank you for being with us. Thank you. (laughs) most are got tramp for you so you won't lie you going lie to the readers i don't play the side line like
2: reporters it's okay you going die for the ether. so drink up place with the illness made us pass out out of the space in the building when i black out i'm a preacher of villains give a back down till i make me a million
1: john cavelli plays trombone with his band hard bought messengers they're playing a show of all grateful dead music on friday april 7th at blue strawberry john thanks to you
0: for being here thank you so much
1: Before we go, the famous saxophonist Wayne Shorter died in Los Angeles last week at the age of 86. The 12-time Grammy Award winner played alongside other legends including Miles Davis, Carlos Santana, and Herbie Hancock. He died surrounded by his family on Thursday. As it happens, John Covelli has an album of all Wayne Shorter tunes called Wayne Shorter Tribute. So here's John playing a trio version of the hard messengers, sending us out with the Shorter standard infant eyes. More reporting from the St. Louis on the Air team is available at stlonair.show. Be sure never to miss a conversation by subscribing to our podcast. You can find St. Louis on the Air on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts on the App Store. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Thank you all for listening today. I'm Elaine Cha.
0: (laughs) Oh <laughs>
2: And hell on the floor with a crayon Ghost in the shell, I perform in a seance I broke the spell, the thoughts that they bray on us can't control a soul full of chaos American gods, the devil is born And heaven is torn apart when I settled the score Developed a form of man, but never been more different A metaphor for killer, uh-huh.
1: never before witnessed uh-huh. This episode was produced by Aaron Doerr. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.